This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Shouldn't you be at work? Francis Stuta! Oh, what a fantastic hit! Back get towards Brecker! And that is an absolute gem of a goal. George Ware on the prowl, bang! Di Matteo to Signori. Fabulous strike. And here's an opportunity. Zola, lovely dummy. Oh, what a goal for Palmer. Here's Victor. Rabanelli again. Baggio. This is Deschamps. And it's two. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, he hasn't. No. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Quickly Kevin's Pre-Season Tour. I'm Chris Skull, joining me Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And Michael Marden. Hello. We're rattling through some correspondence we've had since our last series. We're also going to be playing out a clip from a previous live show and we're picking our all-time 90s football team. But Chris, why are we playing a clip from our previous live show? Because we have a new show coming up on the 7th and 8th of November at the Hackney Empire in London. It's our biggest ever live shows today. It would be on its own, but the fact we then announced a second one really was yeah. hubris. 2,000 uh, attendants, which is uh, probably a, a conference level game. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to get a ticket, go on the Hackney Empire website, look for quickly, Kevin. It's the 7th of November. It'll be a lot of fun. However, Josh, we have some correspondence. We certainly do. I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. Okay, this is from Tom Belger. Hi, thought this may be of interest. As a single man at home on my own, I recently found myself watching an episode of Bullseye from the early 90s, either 91 or 92. As the contestants reached Bully's price board, hidden behind one of the numbers was a collection of VHSs, which the contestants duly won. Among the collection was Manchester United's Goals of the Season VHS from 1988-89. Looking past the fact it was already three to four years old. (laughs) (laughs) This wasn't a vintage year. Man United finished 11th in the First Division, 6th in the FA, 6th round of the FA Cup, 3rd round of the League Cup, scoring just 45 goals. Could this spark something of a new feature? Odd football-related prizes won on 90s game shows. Oh, yes. That is such an awful prize. Yeah. How have they given a four-year-old VHS of Manchester United's goals of the season? But that's the thing with Bullseye. Like, was it tongue-in-cheek at the time? No. Or, no, I don't think it was. I don't think that Jim Bowen is that self-aware or was no. back then. 
Well, there's there's that famous theory. I don't know if you told me this, Chris, or someone else did. Is that you know when they would reveal, here's what you could have won. Yeah. It was a speedboat. It was something really. You're like, oh god. I heard a story that that thing could revolve two ways, and there was yeah. the prize that if you won, it's like you've won this set of decanters and yeah, a toaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you didn't win, then you got the speedboat. There was only one speedboat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that, but obviously I presume it's not true. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it would revolve both ways. I reckon what would happen would be a, a long break in filming yeah. while you'd hear a reversing <laughs> of a low loader <laughs> just after you'd lost. Also, quick question, because you know how little you know TV there was or VHS as there were in the 90s? Yeah. Do you think if you weren't a Man U fan and you won that four-year-old VHS, you'd end up watching it? I think you probably would, yeah. I've got that VHS. Have you? Yeah, yeah. It might even be on the, the bottom shelf there if you can see all those Manchester United videos. The thing about the thing about that episode of Bullseye, though, if you won it, you'd, you'd never win that video because if you did win the prize, you'd win the, like, the 78 season. <laughs> <of you. laughs> so if you've got any more uh, prizes won on 90s game shows relating to football, uh, hello at quicklykevin.com. Time for a quick one more? Yeah. Kenny Taylor, this is an interesting... Uh, it's more of a question. Could you shed any light on this rather than a do you, I remember this right? Probably not. Just catching up on all the World Cup specials. Heard you talk about Zaire's players and whether that guy knew the rule about the free yeah. kick, etc. This got me thinking about a story I'd heard while learning to become a referee. Apparently the rule at penalties was that the penalty taker had to be identified to the referee and the goalkeeper. And this was brought in because a team had devised a cunning plan where whatever they got awarded a penalty, all 11 players would line up at the halfway line. And when the referee blew his whistle, they would charge towards the 18-yard box. <laughs> at which point, 10 of them would stop and one would burst through and take the penalty. Oh, wow. <laughs> would that work? I guess they thought the people would be so confused they would have no chance of stopping it. I thought he was genius. However, I've searched high and low for proof of this story and have yet to get confirmation. Can your listeners shed any light oh, on I it? I love that so much. I mean, <laughs> it's it's brilliant, but it's so flawed because if you think about it, if those players all have to stop at the 18-yard line, the keeper's still got the same distance of run oh, also, they, from the player. That... They've got to slow before the 18-yard line. If they're at a sprint, they can't just stop yeah. at the 18-yard line. <laughs> Also, where do the opposition stand? Can they make a wall on the edge like of the 18-yard line? They're playing British Bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of, have you seen that clip of um, MLS in the 90s where they tried to sort of revolutionise penalty taking mm. and the player would bring the ball from the halfway line and I think they'd have three touches and they had to shoot within those three touches. So you get a player... That's a long way to go on three touches. Well, I think they thought it would make it more dynamic. But if you watch this clip, it's incredible. You've got players who... You know, obviously strikers are pretty decent, but you've got players taking two touches from the halfway line and then shooting from like outside the box, <laughs> and keepers are just plucking these away. No one was scoring, and you got like really? what a weird change. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's a great clip. I'm going to watch that. Um, that's amazing. If you do know of that rule or any other ways of people have tried to subvert the rules, yeah. Hello at quicklykevin.com. Now. Chris, tell us about the live shows. Yeah, we're playing our biggest ever live shows at Hackney Empire on the 7th and 8th of November. You know the drill if you've been to the old ones. Bit of patter in the first half and we'll have a big guest out in the second half. With, um, a big patter involves some brilliant clips. We're paying for a screen, which is costing us quite a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And so we've got some great clips that we couldn't show, obviously, on the podcast because they're visual. Yeah. So it is a different experience. And uh, it's, all three of them have been great nights. Uh, but to whet your appetite... Here's a little clip from our previous live shows. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David May. 
How are you, David? Uh, so, David, let's, let's yeah. run through your career. Um, we wanted to talk about your early days with Blackburn, because we had Graham Rousseau on the podcast, and he said the Blackburn's training ground was like next to a funeral parlour, a crematorium, is that yeah, right? Yeah, it was. Um, Pleasanton, and uh, you'd be training at the side of the pitch, and then a funeral would go past, and every, I don't know, how many times do they bury people <laughs> a day? <laughs> Probably. Like once in a lifetime. Every, <laughs> every, every 20 minutes. Did you pay your respects as they went past? Uh, no. <laughs> they wouldn't have fucking bothered, would they? <laughs> like, the rumour that you left Blackburn because you fell out with Jack Walker over contract negotiations. Is, that, is there any grain Who of Who says that? The thing is, that I knew that United were going to... Oh, United were interested. We played Norwich away, and um, the chief scout was uh, Mark Robbins, who I used to play with as a school kid. Um, he just said, United are here watching you. And by that time, then, that was just after Christmas... He says, um, how do you fancy joining United? And then that was it. So it was Mark Robbins that brokered the deal? Uh, yes, and then the gaffer phoned me um, well, the week s- later. You must have been scared when that, like, when that call comes through. Yeah. Everybody was ringing me that day thinking, I'm thinking, is that the gaffer? Is that the gaffer? No, and then this Scottish bloke comes on the fucking phone. Just said, um, I want you to replace Bruce here and uh, don't sign your contract at Blackburn. And that was it. So week after that, we were playing, I think it was Spurs away, something like that, and... Uh, I'm in rooming with Jason Wilcox. So the phone goes about six o'clock in the morning and uh, I answer the phone and all I can hear down the phone is scum, 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 scum down the phone. Who the fucking hell is that? Six o'clock in the morning. Put the phone down. 20 minutes later, same again. This goes on for about an hour until eventually you rip the phone off the wall and then go down for pre-match and uh, David Batty sat there with a, the star. <laughs> Obviously, Bats has come from Leeds. He sat there and he just throws a fucking paper at me and says, there you go, you fucking scum. <laughs> David Batty! So it's actually Bats who was shouting down the, down the phone <laughs> fucking six o'clock in the morning, we've got a game. Scum. What was David Batty like? We've heard so many stories about David Batty. He sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, oh, a belting lad. Do you know what? I don't even know what he's up to now. No, no, well, no. no. I have no Maybe idea. No one shed knows what he's up to. I think last time he heard he was like doing motorbikes or something he's like that. He's off the grid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So when you joined United, who, who did you get roomed with first? Uh, first one was Eric. What? Oh. I know. So was that exciting or scary? Both. I was, because obviously I, I didn't know who, who um, Kiddo had put me in. So I like gigs, it was with Incy and Keeney and Dennis were together. Um, Pally and Brucey. And then I get to my room, hang my gear up, Eric walks in. <sighs> Fucking hell. Right. <laughs> what do I say to him? All right, Eric. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what he likes on TV, whether he likes Coronation Street. Because it was like, <laughs> you'd, you'd probably ritual would be like Coronation Street, then Brookside, and then nine o'clock would be Cheers. Whose line is it anyway? Or Cheers or something <laughs> like that. I'm thinking, I wonder if he watches them. I'm wondering. <laughs> I think he'd love whose line is it anyway. Shall I actually just give him the remote and see what he does? Yeah. See, fucking straight away, Coronation Street. <laughs> What? Yeah. Is it awkward in any way? Does Eric just act like it's totally normal? Do you know who yeah. he was win- with before? I, I'm not sure whether he roomed on his own, but I don't know. Did I, he ask you whether thing. you thought Deidre Barlow should have been locked up? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Samir, wasn't it? Uh, and then 10 o'clock after um, Whose Line Is It Anyway had finished, he <laughs> <laughs> uh, throws over the remote control. David, good night. Turns over, good to sleep. I thought, right, I'm turning it off and I'm going to sleep. And then I never roomed with him after that. I ended up rooming with uh, Gary Pallister. You replaced Steve Bruce in the room as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
How are your detective novels coming on? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> What um what was Eric like? Was Eric treated differently to the other players at Man U? Yeah, he, I mean Eric was obviously he was a, an unbelievable player and such a special talent. And um, was he, he a was, good laugh? He was very yeah very dry, very dry. Well, you, you played the night that he got sent off and then yeah. kicked the fan at Crystal Palace. You scored. Well, didn't yeah, twenty no, fifth of Jan, nineteen ninety five. Crystal Palace was. won. Yeah. Man United won. You got the opener in that game, but no one talks about that, David. What was it like? Do you remember the? Do you, you I remember what, it did you see it happen, yesterday. or were you looking? Look, did you watch it happen, um, or did it not really? So, so what happened? Obviously, we're playing Crystal Palace, where we go one 0 up. Sharpie crosses to far post. I rise like a tin of salmon at the far post. <laughs> Bullet header. One 0 up, and uh, it's blustering. It's it's an horrible game against uh, Palace, as it is at Sellers Park, and. Richard Shaw, and I can't think who the other centre-half was, was kicking ten bells of shit out of Eric, messing about with his collars. and So, obviously, Eric's, Eric's seen red. Big peak, launches one down the, down the middle of the pitch. Richard Shaw, again, smacks him from behind, and Eric's had enough. So he just volleys Richard Shaw up the, up the backside. Red card, off you go, and you're thinking, right, well, we've won the luck. Make it tight midfield, take it out of the back, we'll be all right. We were chasing Blackburn at the time, and all you hear is a big cheer. And then you see Eric fucking flying through the air... <laughs> volleying this guy and then fucking uppercut, left hook, right hook and this guy's fucking teeth are all over the bottom of the stand. You're thinking, fucking hell. Eric, what are you doing? So you think, right, fucking brilliant. So I start legging over and it gets broke up and Eric gets carted off by uh, by Norman down the uh, down the tunnel. Did you realise what a big moment it was or did it not feel like that at the time? Well, I did because I thought the fuckers took all my limelight and me scoring a goal. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's late on in late on in the game and uh, free kick into the box. Southgate scores and uh, we we draw the game one one. All you could think of was right. The gaffer's going to go ape shit anyway because we've threw away one 0 lead. We're chasing Blackburn down. We needed to win the game, but all we could really think was this is going to be fucking unbelievable because he's going to rip fucking Eric said off here. Never ever ever seen Eric get any bollockings or anything. So we all go in the dressing room. Do the usual. Put your towels over your gear. You know that sandwiches and pots of tea and everything. Gaffer comes in, rolls his sleeves up, and he starts. Schmeichel. Six foot fucking four. You've not come for the fucking cross. You've not made a fucking save. Your distribution shit. Pallister, six foot four. You've not won a fucking header all game. Not won a fucking header all game. Inse. Call yourself the governor. You've not made one fucking tackle. And he goes round and round and round. And you, where the fuck were you when Southgate scored? So I was marking Richard Shaw. Who's marking Southgate? Eric. (laughs) Getting out of this one. So I'm thinking, here we go. Fucking froth at the mouth. Turns to Eric. Eric, can't be doing things like that, son. And then he turns around again and Coley, you couldn't trap a fucking bag of cement. <laughs> and Sharpie, my fucking grandma's quicker than you. And you're like, hold on. <laughs> Just fucking two footed some fucker in the crowd here. So now we are picking our favourite ever 90s team, favourite players, not the best players. We've done the goalies, we've done managers. Defences, can we have your fullback and your centre back, please? So, please? 
I've gone for a proper anomaly of 90s football. When I was going to West Ham in the 90s, I took my seat, I watched the players come out, and I saw something I had never seen before in a, in a professional top-level football match. And that was a really small man, Alan Wright. <laughs> the, differential, Alan Wright. the differential between Alan Wright and everyone else yeah. is amazing. Like, how good must Alan Wright have been to be that little? Yeah. It's so odd. It took... I remember sitting there going, that's crazy. You don't realise how tall everyone is until a really small bloke comes out and starts playing. Yeah. How, he must how, have been how tall is he? He was known as Little Alan Wright. Like, yeah. that. he'd always be called Little Alan Wright. And he played with Mark Draper in that Villa team. And they, he looked like a smaller version of Mark Draper, who I remember <laughs> being small. <laughs> like Alan mi- Wright, mini-me. five foot four. Five, five foot four. Is that say that's that's as tall as you, Josh? No, it's way shorter than me. <laughs> well, you're like five seven, aren't you? I'm five six and a half. So Alan Wright, <laughs> is Alan Wright is tiny. Yeah. Wow, five foot four. So that's mind blowing. No, he would never. I don't think Alan Wright would be playing now. Would it? like? I don't think. I he, think he would be because at the moment it's not like the game's got more physical. If anything, it's got less physical, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you know the other bizarre thing about Alan Wright? He was still playing in 2011. Was Fleetwood he? Town. Yeah. What yeah. happened to him after Aston like Villa? 30. Just read out the clubs? Aston Villa, then he, went, he was at Middlesbrough from 2003-2004. Sheffield United on loan, then he signed that. for Sheffield United, and then had loan spells with Derby, Leeds, Cardiff, Doncaster, wow. Nottingham Forest, then Cheltenham Town for two years, and then Fleetwood Town finishing off. And now he cleans chimneys. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. must have been unbelievable like fit. Because he was first choice for Villa for a long time. Yeah, he yeah. was good. Really, really good. Um, who's your centre-back? And my centre-back is the man of the moment. Gareth Southgate. But really, like, Gareth Southgate is a mystery to me because he's really revered as a central defender, but I, I never really got it. I never watched him play, like, in the way that Tony Adams, you could watch Tony Adams play and think, he was amazing. Gareth Southgate is lauded and obviously really respected because he was in loads of England teams. Yeah. But to watch him play, I never really understood it. Yeah. But now he is the man of the moment. He's, he's king, your favourite And, it, person and the now world. he's a much lauded England manager, and I still don't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so let's, let's just get this right. You've picked Gareth Southgate as your favourite central defender because you don't understand. I don't really understand. You know how something. I, I like the strokes. Everybody loves the strokes. <laughs> but I've never really got it. What? I don't really. And that's the same with Gareth Southgate. It's a mystery to me. And I'm but always like peculiarly kind of interested really in it. Tap into. Yeah. Um, can I just say, we will, I'll read out next episode. Uh, we've got some correspondent about Gareth Southgate doing not his Pizza Hut ad, but another. Uh, sponsorship he did. Michael, fullback and centre back. Uh, so for my fullback, I have gone for Liverpool's Steve Nichol. Now, yeah, yeah he's sort of very much an eighties into the nineties yeah, yeah, yeah. player. So he was he was sort of he was up by about ninety three, ninety four. Great flat top. Great flat top. Uh, and I've gone for Steve Nichol for the same reason that donkeys are my favourite animal, <laughs> uh, which is I I love the sort of quiet, noble self sacrifice. Yeah. Of a no-nonsense fullback like yeah. Steve Nichol, Dennis Irwin, you know those guys that yeah, yeah, they yeah. never get the Gary headlines. Neville, Gary just... Neville, they never let you down. If you've yeah. got them in your dream team, seven out of ten, like every single yeah. week, they never let you down. And Steve Nichol for me was the first one of those. And I played it right he back. Even player of the year. Well, he did. I didn't know this. His best season, which is the season he won uh, Player of the Year, which is eighty-nine, ninety, I think, um, was when I started playing football. So I tried to basically model myself. <laughs> 
like on <laughs> on him, Steve Nichols. Whenever, whenever Liverpool were on TV or Match of the Day was on, I would be looking and going like, where does he position himself? Like, where does he <laughs> where does he go? And I like all my mum's side of the family are from Liverpool. They're Liverpool fans, so they tried to make me a Liverpool fan when I was growing up. Yeah. For my eleventh birthday, my uncle took me to watch Liverpool QPR. Uh, Liverpool lost three one, I think. But I got to go and meet the players after oh, wow. the game, like in the because my uncle was good friends with Kenny Dalglish, or he mates with Kenny Dalglish. So I got went to the changing rooms after the match, and it was a really weird, like deflated sense of like we'd just been beaten by this yeah. mid-level team. The players were there. Barnes didn't play, but he was there in a suit. Like it was like Peter Beardsley, Ian Rush, all those wow. guys. And I went straight over to Steve Nichol and I asked him like for his autograph. I said, "Can I have your signature?" And he looked at me like, "What?" Um, but he was bemused. It was like, <laughs> "Why have you come?" To me, so you like, made a beeline for Steve. I Nichol. made a beeline for Steve Nichol, and he's Amazing. like, "You realise like John Barnes is stood over there." And I was like, "No, no, I want you to sign this for me," because um, I was just obsessed with that type of player. Wow. The I, the only issue I've got with what you've said is your description of a donkey as a noble creature. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. I love that Steve Nichol, yep. dependable. Yeah. yeah, and he was sort of ousted by the spice be like that next generation like Phil Babb John Scales those guys came in yeah. I, I, bet, was... I bet that dressing around that time like look at Steve Nickel fuddy duddy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah see you later loser yeah. like tearing up his homework and that <laughs> making his lunch money I've been player of the year I don't deserve this uh, who's your centre back Michael uh, and for my centre back technically a sweeper but I'm going with it uh, I have gone for the powerhouse German Matthias Sammer very ginger back line you've gone for. Again, a couple of reasons. One reason which informs a lot of my choices from the 90s is that uh, I had a, a save on Championship Manager 97-98 where I played as Borussia Dortmund and he was the heart of that team for me. I love that luminous. I don't know if you remember that yeah, kind of a luminous, luminous yellow kit. kit that they played yeah. in. I wish Lovely I picked kit. it up. Um, but the main reason I picked him is because there was a sort of two-year period. He was genuinely the best player in the world. Did he win World Cup of the Year? Well, he won the Ballon d'Or after a year in 96, I think. Right. Um, but he had dragged... So he dragged Dortmund to like two titles. Then he won yeah. Euro 96 with Germany. Then he won the Champions League in 97 with Borussia Dortmund. One World Player of the Year in amongst that. First defender since Beckenbauer to win it. Um, but he done it, He did it as a sweeper in, 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 in a time and an era when like a sweeper just wasn't a thing anymore yeah. because of the offside rule, because of all of that. You didn't have that man that far back. I'm going to have to disqualify your choice because I think he's too good. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I would watch him. You know, He would pick up the ball like deep. He was amazing. And he would just surge from defence like a German panzer tank, like a blitzrig. He would just like break enemy lines. <laughs> he would drop his towel on the sun lounger on the way for the next day. Um, so yeah, I was, I was obsessed with him. And I think had he not got injured the following season... He would what have been, happened to him? I think he did like a knee or head, a back injury and then he was never really... He retired like a year later. He was gone oh. by 98. And if did it wasn't he, for when that... When did he start playing for Germany? Was he East German? Yeah, he was East German. He was the first... So he played for Dynamo Dresden, which was the police team yeah. in East Germany. They were the big team. And then when the Berlin Wall fell down, him and someone else, a striker... He surged through. He surged through. <laughs> <laughs> David Hasselhoff on his arm. Yeah. Uh, but he was he was a sort of superstar of East Germany and he was the first player to transition across. Oh really. But had he not retired through injury, people would be talking about him like he was yeah. Maldini, that level of, of player. I've gone for a different level with my sense back. <laughs> I've gone with Paul Warhurst. <laughs> Similar. But yeah. I, what I love about Paul Warhurst, he did something that never would happen now. He was a centre back at Sheffield Wednesday, who due to an injury crisis got moved to a striker. Yeah. And scored twelve goals in twelve games. Yeah. Isn't that insane? 
And then David Hurst came back from injury and he got dropped back to defence and he was livid and fell out with Trevor Francis. I just think that's amazing that a centre-back can suddenly become a striker. Well, it often goes the other way, doesn't it? Like Dion Dublin, Dion famously. Dublin, yeah. Yeah. But it's that thing of, you know when they go, I know how to think like a defender. So I wonder if that would work more. Yeah. Because they like know how defenders think, so he knows what to do. <laughs> um, and also, why did they suddenly go, well, we'll move Paul Wilhurst to striker? Yeah, he was one of those players, again, on Championship Manager. In the days when you could only name two substitutes, he would be one of the first players you'd buy. Oh, because he'd have because he had two, he could just play two the positions. The greatest player for that was uh, Nicholas Alexander. I was just about oh, to yeah. say that. Defender, midfield, attacker, right, left, centre. Yeah. And I'd always sign him, but I'd never really know where to play him. <laughs> That's yeah. the trouble with Alexander. Yeah, that was the problem. Then he went to Sheffield Wednesday, it turned out he just played midfield. <laughs> <laughs> but there was... Paul Warhurst, then he went to Blackburn, he won the league, but I don't really remember what he was at Blackburn. Was he a defender? Well, if he was, he did. Did he just become a defender again? Yeah, you imagine he would. And that was like his lost summer, where he's like <laughs> a striker. Just mournfully watching the strikers take <laughs> yeah. shooting practice. The other thing I remember about Paul Warhurst, didn't he have like really long fringe? Yeah, he had an awful like haircut. Like, awful haircut, yeah, like a block had, of hair, like yeah, a Fisher Price man's hair. haircut. <laughs> Lego <laughs> hair. I don't really... I just remember that brief period when that's what he did. But I would obviously... To really rub it in, I've picked him as my centre-back. <laughs> and my full-back, I've chosen Rob Jones. Oh, great. You talk about reliable full-backs. Yeah. Uh, played for Liverpool. The reason I've chosen Rob Jones is he's one of those players that never scored. He never scored for Liverpool. Like, never. Not like as a phrase. He just has never scored. Yeah. In like 250 games for Liverpool. And I always find that... Well, actually... I'm surprised more players never score. Yeah. Don't never score. If, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Because yeah. when is a fullback scoring? If they're not going up for corners. Yeah. The other one who famously never scored was Des Walker. I think he scored once in his whole career. And he's yeah. a centre back. Well, John, yeah. Didn't John Jensen only score once? Or no, like he that? never scored for Arsenal. Never for scored Arsenal. Yeah. But there must be players that have never scored. And I remember when I was a kid finding out that Des Walker had never scored. And not understanding why he played for England. Because <laughs> I was like, why is he playing for England? The whole point of the game is to score. This guy's never scored. Yeah. Did Des Walker go up for corners and set pieces, do you think? Because imagine... I read on his Wikipedia, he was so fast that he didn't go up for corners. Because right. he'd be the one they'd he'd leave back. He'd be the back. one that'd leave back. Yeah, that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, Rob Jones had four years at Crew and scored twice in 75 appearances. Yeah, a but rich he, gl- vein he glossed form. over that. <laughs> how many years? How many and, then game- he, and then he was at Liverpool for eight years, 185 league games, didn't manage a goal, like you say. But he was, Rob Jones was a, a brilliant, he was brilliant fullback. He, Ryan Giggs said he was the toughest fullback he, yeah. ever, he ever played against. In his against. Wikipedia, Jamie Carragher said, and I don't know whether it was just to annoy him, someone else, a Liverpool player, said he's the best defender he ever played with. Yeah. And Jamie Carragher said he'd have been in the England team rather than Gary Neville throughout the 90s if he hadn't got injured but yeah. I imagine I think there's, there's a truth to that and a- yeah. actually our team of players who joined clubs and then didn't really make a game and left um, Rob Jones left Liverpool for West Ham in 99 he played 45 minutes of an Intertoto Cup game and then retired <laughs> yeah. finally ticked that box yeah. another classic from Harry <laughs> yeah. so these are the options your three fullbacks are Rob Jones Steve Nicholl Alan Wright and your three centre-backs are Matthias Sammer, Gareth Southgate, and Paul Warhurst. Sorry, I said yours for you then, Mike. That's fine. I can only remember it because he's so much better than Paul Warhurst. But <laughs> let's see whether the voting reflects that. We'll choose two of each depending on your voting. Go on our Twitter or Instagram or Facebook to vote. But now, before we go, the quiz. I won last time, so I get to set the quiz again. I'm just going to do a different version of the quiz I did last time because I liked it. I'm going to choose a year. And I want you to name any trophy professional... Can be individual. Okay. 
and who won it? And the first person to get it wrong loses. 1999, the last year of the 90s. Ooh. Okay, go. Well, I went first last time, Chris. Chris. You go first. Uh, Man United FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United Premier League. Manchester United European Cup. Okay. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur League Cup. Oh, is that true? I think George Graham won it in 99 with Spurs. Tottenham for the 1990 League Cup. 1999. 1999 League Cup. They did. They beat Leicester. Yes. <laughs> Chris. Uh, Inter Milan UEFA Cup. I think that might have been the year, the Fat Ronaldo year at Villa Park. It wasn't. Ah, oh. Come on. I mean, I was, again, I was out there. Palmer beat Marseille 3 0. Oh, of course, that great Palmer team. Michael, uh. what song are you going for? Okay, I would like Chris Cross's seminal masterpiece, <laughs> Jump. Yes, please. Uh, don't forget, tickets are available for our live shows at Hackney Empire, 7th and 8th of November on the Hackney Empire website. Just give Hackney Empire quickly, Kevin, a Google. We'll see you tomorrow for more of the same. Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.